Acts 20, 1 through 3, 7 through 12. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed three months. Because some Jews had plotted against him just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Amen. See what happens when you fall asleep in church? Hey, let me ask you a question. How many, how many of you in this room are huggers? How many of you are huggers? Wonderful, wonderful. The rest of you are like, oh, what's Richie going to ask us to do? You're, you're shying away already. Well, for you huggers, you would fit in with the Special Olympics Committee in Michigan. When they hold the Special Olympics in the summertime in Michigan, there's 3,000 participants in that. And then there's hundreds and hundreds of volunteers. Their theme for the Special Olympics in Michigan is uh, caring is so much more important than winning. Caring is more important than winning. That's their theme that runs throughout. And like any track meet, they have all the similar events of a track meet, but what is different is the volunteers, as the events start, each volunteer is assigned a participant. And so all along the different races that they're going through, the participant is running with them and encouraging them. Keep running the race. Even if they've tripped and fallen, they'll pick them up. Let's keep running the race. And they help everybody finish. And then the wonderful thing, their role at the very end, when they cross that finish line, every participant is received with a big hug. They are called the huggers. That's their role. They are called the huggers. Paul was a hugger. Paul was one who went around to all the different churches and gave them a big hug of encouragement. Say, keep running the race. Encouraging the saints in the middle of all of the struggle. Keep running the race. And so I hope for us this morning that we will be encouraged by the Holy Spirit to be huggers, to be those who come alongside and help the saints, us, keep running the race. Let's pray for that this morning as we dive into Acts 20. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your good word. I thank you that's living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. 
And we know that it will touch our hearts. It does not go out void, return void. So, Father, this morning, uh, would you stir up in us through your Holy Spirit uh, how to be huggers, how to be encouragers? You have encouraged us with your life, and you continue to encourage us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And may we let that flow out to others. Would we encourage others to keep running the race? So do your work in us this morning. Stir us up. Help us to get over uh, being selfish people where we're just focused on us, and let us be outward focused on how we can love others. In your precious name, amen. Well, we see in, in chapter 20, in verse 1, we're going to see the life of Jesus through Paul encouraging the saints in the middle of the battle. Look at verse 1. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said goodbye and he set out for Macedonia. Now, if you remember from last week, there was a big uproar, a big riot, and they all came to the stadium in Ephesus, 25,000 people, and they're yelling for two hours, great is Artemis, great is Artemis of the Ephesians, great is Artemis, really against the people of the way, against Paul, Demetrius was losing idle business, and so there was a real anger against Christians. They were called at that time the way. So there was this incredible battle, this, this uh, incredible attack. And scriptures last week were reminding us, you know what? We all, when we follow Jesus Christ, guess what? We're going to face spiritual attack. That's just part of the journey. So we have to be prepared for it. And Ephesians 6 speaks all about that. Put on the spiritual armor of God. Are you prepared for battle? Or are you just like, well, hopefully I won't go through it. No, you're going to go through it. Are you prepared? And so he comes to encourage them. Hey, keep running the race. Paul himself is one who has faced much persecution and trial. And Paul has also received from fellow saints much encouragement. And so he gathers all of the disciples together in Ephesus. And he says, listen... I want you to keep running the race. I'm sure he's encouraging them in this. You're going to continue to face battle and attack. Just be prepared for it. It's going to happen. But you serve a great God who is going to strengthen you. He's going to lift you up. He's going to keep you running. But let's do it together. And so he encourages them as they're running this race. God is a great God. He will be the one who will be your rock and your fortress and your shield. He'll be your defender. Let me remind you of the things of our Lord. And Paul knows they need this encouragement as he's about to leave. Let me just talk about that word encouragement. We're going to see it three times in this little section. Three times. And as good Bible students, we always look for words that are repeated. That's why the theme this morning is be an encourager. Because Paul is encouraging the saints. It, it has the root uh, of, of the Holy Spirit, paraclete, parakaleo. 
It's one, that word is a beautiful word. It's one who calls you by their side. Para, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be by your side. To comfort, to build up, to strengthen, to encourage, to exhort in the Lord. I am one who's going to walk with you in this. That's, that's the word encouragement. I'm doing it with you, and I'm lifting you up along the way. As you're running this race, and as you are finishing these, these races, I'm going to give you a big hug. Way to go. Let's keep running. That's what encourager means. And isn't it a beautiful thing that that's the word for the Holy Spirit? Jesus says, it's good that I'm going to leave because I'm sending you my Holy Spirit, John 14. And he's going to be your comforter, your encourager. He's going to be the one who's going to be your strength. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to physically be here anymore. Paul's saying the same thing. I'm not physically going to be here anymore. But guess what? You have the Holy Spirit. Each of you who are followers of Jesus Christ have the Holy Spirit. And he is, in and of himself, your comforter, your encourager. And then guess what? He uses you saints to come alongside Jesus in the flesh. Let's be encouragers. Let's be encouragers. And so he continues on. I'm leaving, Paul says, and I'm sure he's saying, I've been with you for two years. I've been equipping you. He's been making disciples those two years, teaching in the hall of Tyrannus, teaching about the things of the Lord. And in the middle of that, people are coming to Christ, and then people are growing up in Christ. Making disciples. That's who we are as a church. We desire to be. We desire to be a church that is making disciples. We're living in the love of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, but we want to make disciples live out the great commandment. And the way we do that, Ephesians 4, is by equipping the saints, you, for the work of the ministry. Paul has been doing this in Ephesus. He's been equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Paul doesn't need to be around all the time. He's equipped the saints. They're ready. They're ready. They're ready to teach the scriptures in church. They're ready to minister in Ephesus. Encouragement in the middle of the battle. Hey, you're ready for battle. I have trained you up. Here we go. Let's do this. It's going to be hard. Many are going to come against you. But guess what? Many are being transformed by the love of Jesus through you. Be encouraged in that. Many are falling in love with Jesus because you are teaching them the word. You are sharing your lives with them. You are encouraging them in their hopeless lives. And now they're saying, yes to Jesus. Be encouraged. You're ready for the battle. Keep running the race. So Paul leaves on this next part of his third missionary journey. And I want to show you a picture of Ephesus. He leaves out of Ephesus. And there used to be water down there at the end of the way. But the water's receded now. But this is present day Ephesus. And then he goes on this next section of his third spiritual journey. So I want to show you missionary journey. Let me show you the the journey that he goes on. It started in Antioch, where we pick up today is that he's going to leave out of Ephesus, and then he's going to head up into different parts of the region and ultimately end up in Troas, as the map is showing. 
So starting from Ephesus, going over Berea, he meets up with people, goes over to Greece, over by Corinth, he spends three months there, and then he's going to end up over in Troas. This is the third missionary journey. So we see encouragement in the middle of the battle, and the next part we see is encouragement with many words. Verse 2, he traveled through that area, so he did that, what we just saw on the map, and as he's traveling through those regions, the scriptures say he's speaking many words of encouragement. He's exhorting them in the scriptures and truth. He's comforting them. He's coming by their side. He's reminding them of who Christ is in their lives. Because sometimes you forget. Jesus is a powerful God. He's our resurrected Christ. This is who he is. And he comes with many words, the scriptures say. It's really a ministry of encouragement. And each church and each person was very unique. And so what he was ministering was unique to what the community needed. He knew the people. That's a good shepherd. I know the people. I know what they're struggling with. I know what they need encouragement with. You know what that means? That means he actually gets to know them, spends time with them, walks through life with them. It is a sacrifice of our time to actually love others. But that's God's great command. Love me, love others. That requires time and commitment and getting to know each other. And he goes through building up the body of Christ because he loved the saints. He cared for their souls. He cared for their life. Here's what 1 Thessalonians says uh, in chapter 2, verse 7. Paul's heart for his people that he gets to share life with. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. And we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. That's a shepherd who's encouraging. We were delighted not only to share the good news of Jesus, but our lives and how we grow, how we depend on him. I want to encourage you as you run this race. In 2 Corinthians, we see as Paul is doing this journey, his heart is troubled. He didn't find, he didn't find Titus in, in uh, Troas, and he's really worried about it because he had, written, he had written a painful letter to Corinth dealing with their sin. It was painful. And he wanted to get news because Titus had been there in Corinth. And he wanted to get report back. So he didn't find him in Troas, so he goes over to Philippi. And he ministers there. And then finally Titus shows up. And he's worried about this report. What's it going to be like? But Titus shows up with good news. The people in Corinth have repented of their sin. There is a godly sorrow and they've moved to Jesus. And Paul's heart rejoices in that good news. They have been challenged in the word of God. He had to come through with a strong letter because he loved them. Challenging them, exhorting them. Come back to Jesus, and they did. 
like the prodigal son. That's what it looks like to encourage with many words. Sometimes it's just encouragement, let's keep running the race. Sometimes it's encouragement, stop sinning, because it's destroying your life. And I love you enough to tell you that. Even though you may not like me at the moment, I'm going to tell you this because I want you to come back to Jesus. That's an encourager. Are you being an encourager? He spoke many words, and part of the many words, I'm sure, were the Word of God. Many words from the Word. This is who our Lord is. This is how God has led His people. This is how He's been their defender and their strength. This is how He's our salvation. Many words with the Word. As you come alongside a brother or sister, would you please encourage them with the Word? Why? It's living and active. Did I mention that? Sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces bone and marrow. The Word of God is alive. Let's minister the Word to each other. Let's not come to each other with just your own counsel, but the counsel from the Word of God. And let it do its work in those that you encourage. Paul was steadfast on his mission, even though he's always facing opposition. Verse 3 says, Some of the Jews had plotted against him, just as he was about to sell for Syria. And he decided to go back through Macedonia. During that third missionary journey, there was actually a group of Jews, their whole intention, their whole purpose was to kill Paul. Could you imagine having that on your shoulders the whole time? They were dead set about making him dead. He always was facing that. But he was purposed and set on Jesus Christ. God has called me to minister the gospel of Jesus. God has called me to come along your side and encourage you. I'm going to do it. I have a great enemy, but I have a great defender. I have a God who's bigger than all of this. That's who we serve as followers of Jesus. So he keeps making disciples, encouraging them in the journey. And then he's making disciples on the way. This is one of the things that I just want you to think about in your daily life, about making disciples. If you're not making disciples right now, if you're not coming along someone's side, if you're not encouraging them in the Word, I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, put someone on my heart that I can walk through life with, that I can be a friend and a disciple maker with, and we can disciple each other and encourage each other in the Word of God. Paul did that all the time. Verse 4, he brings along all these people with him. Sopater from Berea, Aristarchus from, and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius and Timothy out of Derbe, Tychicus and Trophimus out of Asia. Always traveling with people, sharing life with them, and just say, I want you to come with me. You know one of the greatest ways to make disciples? is just say, hey, let's go to Home Depot together. Let's share life together. Just come on the drive. You know what? It's in the drive time that most discipleship happens to whatever thing you're doing. You're just sharing life. I love my buddy George. He always invites me to go fishing. My favorite part of the fishing is that we just, our drive time. It's a long drive, usually, to wherever we're going. And so we just get to talk about life and, and what's going on. And it just blesses me. 
And we get to share about spiritual things and what God is doing. And then, Lord willing, we catch a few fish along the way. That's discipleship. That's what Paul's doing. Pray about people that you can just say, hey, come with me. Come with me. That's making disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's doing it. Note, all these men are from different communities, different regions. That's the big C church. Isn't that beautiful? And he's going around, and part of his encouragement is actually going to be encouraging them to use their lives for Christ to encourage the church in Jerusalem who's going through great famine and struggle and to raise an offering to go to the home church in Jerusalem. He's going to encourage Jerusalem through these financial gifts. See, Paul is always looking for ways to encourage. To encourage. And so he gathers a financial gift. He speaks in 2 Corinthians 8 about how how the Philippians, they even gave more than they actually had to be able, the joy of participating in the ministry of caring for the church in Jerusalem. That's what giving does. It's the heart of God. God gave everything His Son for us. He's a generous God. And so we give. And so they got to participate. They were encouraged as they gave. Jerusalem was encouraged as they received that gift to care for their lives. How can we build up one another? That's what we should be thinking about instead of tearing down. How can we build up with encouraging words, with words from the Scriptures? Be an encourager. You know what the problem is? Unfortunately, in our flesh, we tend to be critical people, don't we? Let's just be honest. We tend to be critical people. We'll evaluate something, and, and instead of speaking life, and sometimes we're just critical of it. That's our flesh. We're always wrestling against that. I am. So I'm assuming you maybe a little bit struggle with that as well. You know, all the studies say it takes, it takes five encouraging positive word statements to, to basically erase the one negative, to make it balanced out. It takes five more. After you've said something negative, it takes five more positive to somehow make it balance out where I can finally function again. Let's be ones who are speaking words of encouragement instead of tearing down. I saw, I saw a while ago, I love uh, Snoopy and the Peanuts comic strip. And uh, there was a comic strip and, and uh, Linus, little brother of Lucy, with his blanket and everything, he decides, I'm going to write my own comic strip. And so he writes one out and, and he kind of, at first, kind of squeamishly hands it to Lucy and says, Lucy, is this, is this a funny comic strip? And Lucy starts to read it, and she's tapping her foot, and she gets a big grin on her face. She actually likes it. And she goes, well, well Linus, who wrote this? And Linus is all excited, and he says, well, Lucy, I wrote this comic strip. Lucy looks at it again, crumples it up. Well, I don't like it at all then, if you wrote it. Linus, with his blanket over his shoulder, picks up the crumpled comic strip, opens it back up, and he looks at his sister and he says, sisters are the crabgrass in the lawn of life. (laughs) 
They're the crabgrass. I don't want us to be people who are crabgrass. I want us to be people who are bringing encouraging rain and sunshine and that it's growing the grass. Let us be encouragers. What does that look like practically? I asked my friend Jim the other day, I said, hey, what are some ways that we can build up the body of Christ? What does that look like for you? He said, you know what, there's many ways that I see. There's more than I can even speak of. It could be from performing acts of service for someone, financial contribution to someone in need, an encouraging note. I think that's one of the great ways, encouraging notes. When I receive notes just out of the blue, man, it encourages my soul. So send me notes. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Hospital visits. You never forget a hospital visit, do you? When I was in the hospital at different times in my life and people visited me, I never forgot every single person, honestly, that came to visit me. People don't forget. It's a great time of of need just for comfort and encouragement. And he was saying all these things. And he says, you know, Jim said, I think encouragement is most effective when there's a, a tangible connection point between people it involves. There's a personal involvement or a sacrifice It shows a a deeper level of care when you're kind of going out of your way. Like the person knew you had a busy schedule, but you're with them anyway. I think we can encourage the body in these ways. And he made mention, he said, you know what? Growth groups are one of the great ways where you can receive that type of encouragement because there's personal connection. You're together, you're going through life together, and you can always think through of ways that we can love each other with encouragement. And I would just ask you who are in growth groups today, would you as a growth group think about who in your growth group could maybe use many words of encouragement as they're living life, as they're wanting to grow in Christ, as they're needing to be lifted up? Is there someone there? Paul encouraged with many words, let us do the same. This last section is how he encouraged because of the very truth that our Jesus is resurrected from the dead. He is alive. Be encouraged. He is alive. This this last section is amazing. What happens is they came to Troas. So they leave on a Roman boat that I want to show you. This was first century Roman boat that would be normal that you would take across the seas. And they go from here and they end up in Troas which we saw on the missionary journey. It says, On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. It was the first time we see it mentioned in the scriptures that they gathered on the first day of the week, which was Sunday. This is the first time we see it here. They started to meet on Sundays. Do you know why they met on Sundays? That's when Jesus was resurrected from the dead. It's Resurrection Sunday. And so they celebrated on Sundays. And we see it first starting here in the scriptures in Troas. Paul had been in Troas before, and it was in this place in Troas, this is the the ancient city today, there's some remains there. As he's in Troas, in Acts chapter 16, if you remember, Paul receives what's called the Macedonian call. He receives a vision come to Philippi, come to Macedonia, we need you here. And so Paul responds to the Holy Spirit, 
which is what we all should do, respond to the Holy Spirit. And he goes to Troas. He's not sure what God's going to do with him there. He runs into Lydia, who's down by the stream, shares the gospel with Lydia. Lydia becomes a Christian. Her family becomes Christian. They start to minister in Philippi. The jailer becomes a Christian and his family. I mean, God's spirit is just moving all over the place. Paul just responded to the call. That's a big response to a Holy Spirit call. But do we respond when the Holy Spirit is saying, listen, I just want you to go and encourage that person. Listen, I just want you to give them a call. You're sitting there at home watching football and all of a sudden someone comes to your mind. That's a prompting of the Holy Spirit. You know what? I'm just going to call them, see how they're doing. Just check in. Or you could even say, you know what? The Lord just told me to call you. So I just want to see how you're doing. The Holy Spirit works that way. You need to know that. You need to, and I need to, respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit as he's moving. Because great works, he's prepared in advance for us to step into. So the community gathers in Troas on the third floor of someone's home. It's another upper room. And they're gathering to have a, a feast a love meal, that they would call them, and then also to take communion, to have the Lord's Supper. And so they're gathered in, it's been a long day, and they all gather in, and it's hot, they've got all the oil lamps burning, and Paul is just speaking, and speaking, and speaking, and he keeps on talking, and he keeps on talking, just like I am right now. (laughs) He knows he's going to be taken off in the morning, He wants to encourage them in who Jesus is. He wants to encourage them in what God is doing. He wants to hear from them, what's God doing in Troas? The first part of this is conversation, this teaching. The second part is actually a homily. He's actually teaching them the scriptures. But the first part is is a conversation. It's dialogue. You saints have the same Holy Spirit that I do. Let's hear what God's doing. Let's hear what God's teaching you in his word. Let's be encouraged together. And so he's talking and talking. And then Eutychus is sitting in the window. He's a young boy. And he's sitting in the window. And his name, by the way, means fortunate. Fortunate. I think after this whole experience, they call him lucky. You know? (laughs) But his name means fortunate. Fortunate sitting in the window. Next thing you know, it's just getting hot and hot and his eyes are going down. The scripture is actually, the word used is that he falls into a hypnosis. Like it's just like the flickering lights and next thing you know, I'm hypnotized and I'm just falling and I'm falling. (laughs) And he falls out the window and the scriptures are really clear. Dr. Luke is there. He died. He died. But here's where Paul is used to encourage the saints. This is a beautiful thing. Paul is used to encourage the saints. He goes down. The whole service is interrupted. I was teaching all these good things, and the service is interrupted. He goes downstairs. Everybody's crying out. The grieving, wailing cry of death. And Paul goes and he lays his body across the body of Eutychus. For the Jewish mind, 
that would have been very much like Elijah as he laid his potty across a child and raised them back to life. Or Elisha. All these great prophets, all these great prophets would have come and flowing in the mind. This is like Elijah. The power of God has come upon. And Paul speaks these words like Elijah. He's not dead. He is alive. He's not dead. He's alive. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And our living God has resurrection power to raise dead things. Things that are dead into new life. That's who our Jesus is. You are experiencing the power of God right here in our resurrected Christ. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. You know what's so interesting in this whole scene? Is right away after this beautiful miracle that, that gives authority to Paul, that shows and reveals very clearly the power and the resurrected Christ, the power of the resurrection, is that it wasn't about the miracle. Look what happens next, and it's real quick. He's raised, they go back up into the room, and then what happens? They get back into the Word, they break bread, they have communion. What? This kid was just raised from the dead. Let's spend time here. This is amazing. No, no, no. Let's get back up and let's study the Word. You know what that's pointing to me? It's not about these miracles. It's the Word of God that will sustain you. And so Paul now goes into homily, into teaching, all the way through the morning. It's the Word of God that will sustain you. You need to know the Word of God. You need to know that your Christ is resurrected. He raises dead things. You have a dead marriage? Guess what? Christ raises dead marriages. You have dead relationships? Christ can raise those to life again. That's the God we serve. Are you dead in your faith? Christ can raise that up. Let me encourage you as I teach you the Word of God. And let us break bread together, remembering that we have life because Christ died for us on the cross. He took our sin. He made that payment for us. And yet He rose again. That's the resurrected Christ we serve. And now we can be encouraged in our new life in Christ. And the Scriptures say in verse 12, and they took the boy away, and they were comforted. Same word, parakaleo. They were encouraged. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your amazing encouragement. I thank you that you are with us in the battle, that you are by our side. I thank you that you give us many words of encouragement through your scriptures and who you are and how we can have life. And I thank you for the saints who come along our side and give us encouragement. And Father, you are risen indeed. And so we are encouraged in our souls. May we live in the power of the resurrection through the power of the Holy Spirit, lives that are following you and continuing to run this race. May we, Father, be encouragers like you. In your precious name.
Amen.